Become a professional podcaster like I am. Go to howtopodcastbetterthananyone.teachable.com. Bianca Zanette Carrasco was a 29-year-old from San Antonio, Texas. She was a married nurse who had three children. On the evening of May 1st, 2016, Bianca's husband saw her walk off from their home after they had an argument. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound. Why are we here? What are we doing here? More specifically, why am I here? Why are you here? These questions have formed the basis of human existence and philosophy since the caveman, well, cave people days. And yes, there's thinking out there that none of this, this podcast, your job, politics, religion, all of it, None of it means anything. It's just random atoms coming together at random times, forming animate and inanimate matter, just dust in the wind. Consciously or not, this goes through our heads when we contemplate disappearances. What could Zoe Campos have done with her life had Carlos Rodriguez not murdered her? What positive impact would Andrea Bowman have had on the world? Was it truly Esther Westenbarger's destiny to drive into that retention pond and cause so much pain for her family? Unfortunately, life, whether you believe in free will or not, is not unicorns and rainbows. Well, with the disappearance of Bianca Carrasco, at a young age, she made decisions that were probably not the smartest. Then things changed. What happened when Bianca started figuring it out? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lines' website, charlieproject.org. Bianca Carrasco came from humble beginnings, and her teenage years were not easy. She ended up having a child at 17 that was given up for adoption. Then, at the age of 18, Bianca married Daniel, who was over 10 years older and the ex-husband of Bianca's aunt. The couple had two children right away, and a third when Bianca was 25. However, even before the last child came along, Bianca had begun to make changes in her life. She took classes and got a degree in nursing. Bianca made new friends and had begun to have a life outside of the one Daniel gave her when she was a teenager. This caused problems in their marriage, and Bianca began to talk about a divorce. So, on May 1st, 2016, in the afternoon, the topic of divorce came up in a conversation between Bianca and her sister Giovanna. Bianca resolved to get a lawyer with the main goal of getting custody of her children. That night, according to Daniel, they got into a fight about the possibility of a separation. He claims after this, 
Bianca left their home on foot, not saying where she was going. Within minutes, due to work Daniel had in Odessa, Texas, he left with their youngest child, leaving the other two, 10 and 8 years old, home alone. Daniel claims he passed Bianca walking on the road. His belief was that Bianca would eventually turn around and go home, knowing that he had left. This did not happen. She was never seen again. The neighbors neither saw nor heard anything. Searches yielded no signs of Bianca. Bianca's disappearance fits the pattern of many others we've covered on Unfound. And I've coined the original term, the man said, to describe a case where a guy says his girlfriend or wife has disappeared without much context other than an unsubstantiated story. Please think about that as you also ponder these three questions during the interview. Number one, people sometimes do storm off after arguments and disappear without there being any possibility of foul play. What could make this one different? Number two, how much of your thinking dwells on the fact that Bianca had another man in her life at the time of her disappearance? And number three, if foul play did occur and these types of disappearances are common, why are some men caught and others aren't? Bianca's family firmly believes Daniel had something to do with her disappearance. The guests for this episode are Julie Stinson, friend of Bianca, and Giovanna Bernie, Bianca's sister. Unfound News. A missing person featured on Unfound's YouTube series, Unfound Now, has been found deceased. Candy Gonzalez went missing from Prestonburg, Kentucky on June 1st, 2021. Remains were found in 2022, not far from her last location. This past week, those bones were identified as candies. Foul play is not suspected. Next, something new is coming to Unfound's live show on Monday nights. Very soon, although probably not this coming week, you will be able to watch the live show on Facebook, Twitter, and possibly even on Unfound's own website, theunfoundpodcast.com, as the show is occurring. You will not have to be on YouTube to do so. I'm very excited about that. Finally, we've begun a push for the YouTube channel to get to 20,000 subscribers by the end of the year. Unfound has more than enough listeners to get there. So, if you are not yet a subscriber on YouTube, please do so right now, before this episode's interview plays. Thanks. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Bianca Carrasco, Giovanna Bernie. Giovanna, welcome to Unfound. Thank you for having me. I, I'm pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed somebody who was at the beach. So this is particularly exciting uh, to me. So very good. You sound great. Everything's great. Let's start here. Um, let's just talk about your family a little bit. 
Um, you, of course, you are Bianca's sister. Do you have any other siblings? Maybe you want to talk about them for just a moment. Um, so we come from a blended family, a very blended family. Um, we have two sets of siblings on, on both sides and there's a lot of us. Uh, I will say that me and Bianca are the closest in age. We're 18 months apart. Um, and I am the oldest out of all of our siblings. Okay. And then her. Okay. So you have a blended family. Uh, do you and Bianca have the same father's, uh, father and mother? Yes, sir. Okay, you do. All right, so so it's a lot of kids, blended family. All right, and just um, overall, give us an idea uh, about your uh, family just growing up all together. What kind of uh, family did you have? What's, maybe explain oh. just a little. We like to get to know, like, kind of the family and the missing person um, before we get to the disappearance. Honestly, doing these interviews and things, this has probably been one of the most one of the more difficult questions to answer. Um, we didn't, we didn't come from the greatest upbringing. Um, okay. There's, a, there's a lot there I could share. I don't know that it would. Okay. I, I mean, you're speaking to me, right? You're not speaking to my mother or my father. If that tells right. you anything, okay. um, and you won't see a lot of them in the media, and there, there's a reason for that. Right. And I do understand. And once again, some of the reading uh, that I've done and some of the joy, of course, is going to be on later. You know, I've talked about that Bianca might have been estranged, like from her mother for some years or something like that. We're not I don't want to get into that. Certainly, if it's not relevant to the disappearance, I don't want to talk about it. I don't you know, but I would, um, I do. I will eventually share because I think it has a lot to do with her story. Um, there's a lot of people that judge her surfacely. Um, and it's not as simple as that. We don't, the way, you know, the situation came about as a journey um, and a tragic journey at that. Um, and I hope one day I can thoroughly share that so that um, other people can learn from it. I know that's what Bianca would want as well. Okay. Well, let's just move on to this. Let's just talk about then Bianca, you being her older sister, uh close growing up were you really close sisters have a lot of things in common what can you tell the listeners being that probably most of them do not know bianca what can you tell the listeners about bianca um i, I always say this right off the bat because i still to this day i get choked up uh, she's still the most hilarious person i've ever met ah. to this day my three-year-old is on like almost gonna beat her but She's still, I mean, anybody could tell you that she was just witty and she had some morbid humor, you know, because of our, our traumatic uh, upbringing. But, okay. you know, she was very um, sensitive and loving. She was so loving. Um, she cared about you. It was all, you know, all loyalty. Um, she was a great nurse. I know that a lot of her patients have contacted me and she really really cared about people um mm -hmm. and she was she was a uh, she was tough she went through a lot and she she was tough and got through a lot of things that a lot of people may not have where do you think that sense of humor comes from maybe like you said from the upbringing maybe trying to put you know add humor to a difficult situation or is that something that's a little more genetic do you have that sense of humor too um, I'm not, I mean, yes, somewhat, 
she was better than me. I, I I'm the older sister, so there's more uh-huh. of that protective yeah. instinct, uh, that mama bear instinct right, that comes right. up more. Um, so for me, it's like that's not funny. That is not funny, sister. You know, um, but I needed her for that. You know, we balanced each other out. We were different in a lot of ways, but then there was a lot of compassion. She was just a very compassionate person. Uh huh. Okay. Right. And, um, you share a lot of the same interests or, you know, like that or, or not really like maybe into I mean, music or sport, you have the same taste in music or, you know, no, like no, we're actually very different. Um, uh-huh. I think what we shared a lot in common with is just, uh, our, our age, we're only 18 months apart. Yes. Um, we could always speak for hours and hours and hours about life. Um, because of her upbringing and mine, we could just talk about things that other people can't talk about. Um, they don't know how to talk about. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we found our, our bond is based on that, you know, and just growing up together. Yeah. This is jumping a little bit ahead, but you've already mentioned it. Uh, her getting her nursing degree and becoming a nurse. Where did that come from? I, I don't, I, I have no idea what you do for a living. Did she follow after you or what brought her to become no, a nurse? I'm, I'm actually a stay-at-home mom. I've been, since right. I've had, I have four kids and I'm a yeah. stay-at-home mom. Um, okay. For her, um, like I remember growing up, she was always like the book reader. I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. So there was always something there that maybe she didn't have the same opportunities. And so once she was able to, as an adult, I really truly believe that she she used that uh, skill set for though she's very organized, very organized. Um, mm-hmm. And then the passion just grew. She just started to find more and more passion because she's so young, yeah. you know, when she even started. So yeah. it just grew and grew and grew. Mm-hmm. Her love for other people. Yeah. Okay. So I guess, uh, you know, like me, I, I'm a, I, I, I hate the sight of blood. I guess she wasn't like that. She was no. <laughs> a little tougher than I, I am in that category. Yeah, I guess. And I, I'm not like that. <laughs> yes. We were different in that way. Uh-huh. You know, there's so many different kinds of nurses these days. What was her specialty? So you whenever know. she be, she became a registered nurse, she was an oncology nurse, oh. which, which is, if, I can only imagine how yeah. hard that is. And even then, the patients still, I mean, she just took such good care of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so she like worked at a big hospital, something like that? No, a doctor's office. Doctor's, doctor's office. office. Oh, okay. So a little more personal experience, I guess, than, Correct. you know, Correct. like in a hospital where like a nurse is responsible for like maybe 10 or 15 patients Correct. at one time. No, she was able to establish these relationships with her patients. Wow. Okay. All right. And, you know, I know nursing school is not, not easy, uh, of course, at all. You know, it's, no, you know, you got, I've only got heard. Yeah me, too. yeah, me too. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't do very well in biology, chemistry. I could have never gone into medicine. Okay. Let's talk about her relationship being married uh, to Daniel. And, you know, and I guess it's kind of already out there that, you know, this, we're not um, breaking any secrets here that he actually used to be married to Bianca's aunt. And I don't know how deep we really want to get into that, but let's just talk about her and Daniel's marriage uh, you're once again as the older sister you being the protective one 
And then she goes and marries Daniel, and she's only 18, correct? And he's like over 10 years older. What can you tell the listeners about their marriage, what you knew about it, seeing it from the outside? Um, so I know that he, they, he was not, he was a part of our mother's family that we didn't have the closest relationship with. So I know that part of that detail throws people off. Um, yes, it's still very, I don't know. What would you say? Taboo. It's still very taboo. I, I discouraged it completely. However, she was still my sister, my little sister who, no matter what she did, I was still going to love her through it anyway. Yes. So you couldn't really change her mind with things. Um, and if she was going to do it, she was going to do it. And so I just loved her through it. Um, probably for the first couple years, I tried to talk her out of, of it. Um, and she just didn't, you know. And I can't. I got three beautiful nieces and a nephew. Yeah, from you that. yeah so, right. children sure yeah so, we're going to talk about them in a little bit so was this kind of a whirlwind thing that they just started dating and got quickly got married or was this uh dare i say was she like 17 when they started uh you know dating or whatever they were doing or what correct correct and it happened pretty quickly okay um he went from one relationship with you know my aunt mm-hmm. directly with her and I mean immediately she she ended up getting pregnant with my my oldest niece okay you're in you're just your impressions once again you're a grown woman just in general keeping Bianca out of it your impressions of Daniel back at the time let's just you know they got they were married I guess about I calculated about 10 years before she went missing I think that's Julie told me in a prior conversation but just in general just as a man you know your impressions of Daniel Good father, good guy. Can you say? I feel like he was rough around the edges, and I feel like he took advantage of a very vulnerable person. Um, he didn't take a lot of accountability for things. Uh, some of the things I, uh, I could, I could name okay. stories. I guess I'm just simple. asking. You know. Uh, did he work what kind of personality those things like that he worked um he worked he he still works um Mm -hmm. he he took care of my sister um but again it seemed more controlling um okay okay um how much you know once they got married she's 18 he's in his late 20s you've already stated that they had one of their children very quickly very quickly and they ended up having three children together like two kind of close in age one much younger correct correct that's right correct okay well like i said we're going to get into maybe the the children stuff a little bit later um but how often would you see bianca once you got married to daniel would would you and i don't know not my business if you're married boyfriend none of my business but would you get together would you double date would you do things like that um so in the beginning, like I said, I didn't really approve of the relationship. Um, it caused a lot of conflict um, between her and I. Um, and we would see each other. And then she also lived in Odessa. So that was far from where I lived. Uh, so we didn't see each other as often as 
I would have liked, um, but we were both young and just trying to figure out life. Um, my oldest son is a year younger than her oldest. So we were, we were just doing our own things. Um, and as the kids got, you know, toddler age, we really tried to get them together and we have a lot of good memories of, of the kids getting together and funny stories. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, listeners are, have to understand you have your own life to live. You have children, you didn't live close or anything. So we realize you're not like a fly on the wall for the relationship. But right. once again, being that we are adults, what kind of marriage would you say was a turbulent marriage? Any thing like that? Any? Oh, I would say so for sure. Uh, okay. There was just, uh, there was just things that was super immature, super immature. Um, I, I wish I could give an example off the top of my head, but their fighting was just really immature, right. uh, toxic. It was toxic. Okay. And we have to remember. Um, I don't she know went... that it was physical. I, I can't tell you that. Okay. Or, you know, I don't know. Okay. That's where we're not alleging anything at all. Once again, this is just your impression, not anything that you heard. This is just you, what you talked to Bianca about. This is not third party stuff, just what you, you know, witnessed if you were ever in the, their presence or anything like that. And we're not alleging anything. I'm just asking the questions. Um, we, and we also have to remember she went missing in 2016. So we're really talking about a relationship from years and years ago. And I can remember, you know, understand why it might be a little hard for you to come up maybe with specific, uh, circumstance. Can you remember the first time that Bianca spoke to you about getting divorced? It was only the week before the disappearance that close. Wow. Right. Okay. All right. Surprise to you or not? I think I was very surprised. Were you? Yeah. They, because they, they usually would get into arguments and they wouldn't talk for a week or two. It was again, the immaturity. Uh, mm-hmm. But this time I, and I thought they would just get it together. Like, like they would typically, but yeah, I, I was pretty surprised that it had gotten this bad. Okay. There the was a you lot look- of arguing, a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Right. Okay. Have you learned since then that she had spoken to other people besides maybe a lawyer or somebody, but anybody in your family, friends, had she mentioned this, <clears throat> excuse me, to anybody else before she spoke to it, spoke about it to you? Have you learned that since then? Any ideas? I think that she spoke to some friends in, in the same amount of time that she okay. spoke to me about it. Okay. All right. So maybe this is something that just came to her mind right that week, or it might've been something she'd been thinking about for a long time. And then finally it kind of boiled over like a volcano. And she goes, you know what? I have to mention, talk to somebody about it. We're still not sure. Right. Right. She, maybe, you know, you just find out about it. You're very close to her, but she mentions it like maybe let's just say a week before. And then a week after that, she goes missing. That is how you remember it in the timeline. Well, and, and that's the thing, um, Mm -hmm. I had told her because of how, uh, it was, it was getting, I think from that Wednesday, it was just getting really, really bad. Um, and I told her you need to get an attorney and she was kind of not there yet. Um, and Sunday, the same day she went missing, 
she told me that she had made an appointment with an attorney that Friday. Right. And we're getting, I'll get it. And then we want to talk about that in, in, in a little bit. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, all right. So she's thinking about this. Did in your conversation before that day of her disappearance, where you talked to her, did she talk about like custody of the children? Was she worried about that? You so, know, um, she, when I talked to her, um, leading up to the Wednesday talking to her, um, he had convinced her that he, he wanted the kids. Um, he even told me that she agreed and I couldn't believe it. I just was like, no way, no way would she give the kids, give the kids to you. Um, and I guess he had really convinced her that that was the best choice. So when I spoke to her, um, I guess Wednesday or Thursday, I, I really had a tough talk with her and told her, do not let anyone tell you that you cannot take care of your own children. You know, you, you'll get through it. God will make a way you have a degree. You, you can figure this out, but you need your babies. And she changed her mind that Friday. He was very angry with me because she changed her mind and I was to blame for that. Um, and then I don't know what happened in between there that if they came up with something else again, just she had finally figured that she needed to get an attorney. In your opinion, once again, we know that you were not there under the same roof with them when this all, you know, started bubbling right. up. What was the reasoning as best you can tell that he told Bianca, you know what? It's better off that I get the kids is, you know, what, what, how did he well, even go about convincing he her? He said that she couldn't afford to take care of them and that she was not a good mother, that he did everything. I mean, he took credit for, for putting her, putting her through school. He took credit for all of that. Is that um, true? No, they were married. Is that true? Okay. <laughs> all right. So she was married. They were married. Who, she's going to nursery school. And then he's, he took credit for like, right. That's, that's not true. I mean, that's okay. She got herself through nursing school. She okay. did the work. She, she did the hard work. So right. I think it's disgusting to say something like that. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, so he, this is the line that he used on her and it seems maybe that she kind of believed that for a while. And maybe it was you that kind of, uh, put yes, her mind he back also, in place. Something that really bothered me is that he told her that she was like our mother, which I love my mother, uh, but growing up, she was not there. And if, if the audience wants to know anything, she's in prison, you know? So oh, no, I she was not the that. best mother growing okay. up. Okay. Um, but Bianca was not like our mother, but that I know that that hurt her. I know sure that hurt. That. It would I'm hurt sure me that. if somebody told me that. Okay. All right. So they have this. So just to sum this up, she gets married at 18. She's not, does not have an edu higher education. Of course, at that time, at some point she decides she wants to get her own job. And we know that nurses eventually do make pretty good money. Of course, maybe it's a little expensive to go to school and everything, but she begins to become independent. She has her own job. She has her own money and things. The marriage is already a little turbulent here and there, and it maybe gets worse and worse, worse. We know people are getting divorced all the time. They have these children together. And then it came to 2016 and your belief, your understanding, it was Bianca, uh, Bianca's idea 
for a divorce to occur. That's as best as you can tell. Okay. I know, Uh, without a doubt it was. Okay. And being that they were, uh, you know, in this other city, you're not near there. I I guess no other of your family is there. Is any, um, are they like near his family or or what living where they were? His family lives in Odessa as well. Okay. So in San San Antonio. No one lives in San Antonio. Nobody was in San Antonio. It's just the two of them. The kids, no relatives close, and all they have are themselves. And he had any- he had one aunt that lived close by in Bernie, so it's pretty close to San Antonio. But okay. immediate fam- family, no, there was no family. Okay, all right. Um, in all right, so let's move now now up. Um, we do have to mention this. I have to ask you about this though, because once again, this is also out there. I, I have to ask: Did was Bianca? starting a relationship with another guy at the time of her disappearance is this something do you think that was serious or was just something like a fling because she's frustrated with her own marriage how would you divine it so i only recently found out that it wasn't a fling i i thought so um but i i did not realize the gravity of the relationship until more recently Okay. Was this something that you know is going on before she went missing or is this something you just, just the whole fact of her having another guy in her life, um, was this something you knew before she went missing or was this something you found out after? Uh, no, I found out the week before, but I didn't, again, I didn't know it was a significant person. I thought, I thought maybe there was just some conversations or fling like you said um but i had no idea that it was an actual relationship okay um this is a co-worker or like a fling from high school like an old flame from high school or or what no just someone she met in san antonio okay all right and so this guy and how long that you once again i realize you were not there but the best you can tell how long had this kind of been going on before she went missing I don't know, maybe don't know. a month or two. I'm not really sure. Okay. And your impression in talking to her, did the best as you can tell, did Daniel know about this or not? He didn't. He found out the week before she went missing. He found out before that, she that went missing. Set off that Wednesday, and that set him off to a I'm whole sure other. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it did. Okay. All right. So they're together. And what uh, we should maybe state this. What is Daniel's job? What was he? Is we know she's a, a nurse, sometimes nurse like work four days on, three days off, long hours, and then several offs in around. I don't know what her schedule was. What was Daniel's work schedule? What what did he do or what he does he do? He was not employed at the time. He was not he was, employed at the time. He was not. Nope. Okay. All right. So let's now move up. All right. So we got an idea of the relationship, their marriage. And, you know, living in San Antonio, no, you know, not a family support system around, you know, she's in her late twenties. He now, he's now in his late thirties. She's changed a lot of, a lot of difference between 18 and 28 or 29 and a guy who's 28. I mean, we really don't change that much from like 28 to 20, 38, but 18 to 28, big changes. If you're growing up and becoming adult, there are huge changes. And maybe that has something to do with their marriage falling apart. Let's move up to May 1st, 
2016. And of course, we only have Daniel's word as for that day. But let's first talk about the conversation. You've already kind of mentioned it. We'll go back to it right now. Tell the listeners about this conversation that you had with Bianca that day. Did you call her? Did she call you? And I understand there's also maybe a text somewhere, maybe before that, something about accounts and things. Maybe you yeah, can just- Yeah, that was on Friday, but the was conversation on, on Sunday, uh, I had called her. Um, she sounded calm and she was just kind of telling me what was going on between them and that he was- again with the jokes being you know that she does he was being creepy i mean she said that she woke up one of the nights and he was hovering over her so it was freaking her out um and she kind of mentioned about she the lawyer appointment on friday and i was like good um and i asked her i said you know you could just come live with me for a little bit until everything dies down um so that there's not so much drama around the kids and with you and she's like no it'll it'll be okay and it was it wasn't a very long conversation just a little bit about that okay um so once again did did you call her did she call you i think i called her you called her all right and you talked not for very long but just to be clear she and daniel was in the house at the time as best as you can tell i'm not sure that he was there at that time I don't think he got there until a little after that. Okay. So you're having this conversation. He is not there. Once again, as best as you can tell, it wasn't like there was any interruptions. Okay. Yeah. No, there wasn't any interruptions. All right. And at that point you, you (laughs) talked about, um, a lawyer, but she had not seen a lawyer at that point or not. No, she She had not. She had not. Okay. And what did you think in talking to her? You get off their phone with her that Sunday, any idea about what she was said she was going to be doing for the rest of the day? Of course, the kids are there. Is she going to play with the kids? You know, or yeah, she was on she was on a Snapchat doing some funny videos with the youngest one. It mm-hmm. seemed like they were just having a lazy day at home. Mm-hmm. She didn't really speak of anything that they were going to be doing. Okay. All right. So no plans like for the rest of the day, like they were going to watch a movie or something like that. You can remember. No. Okay. All right. Now we only have Daniel's word from, for what's we're about to talk about next. Uh, That doesn't mean he's lying. All it means is when we have one person's word, there's a lot of interpretations that can go along with it. What does he then say happened later that day or later that night? What did he, what's he say happened? He said that um, I didn't. He didn't tell me this till Monday afternoon, but that she had went and ran an errand. That's what she said she was going to do, um, and then she came back late. But and he said that it took too long for it to just be an errand, um, and that they got into an argument, and that she started walking away from their house, and that he got the youngest one put her in the car. They were all, the kids all were in bed already. Okay. Um, and he said, he took the little one and he started driving off and I asked him, I said, so you saw her walking, you passed her walking. And he said, yes. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what he says happened. All right. And that's what he says is the last time 
that he saw her walking down the street in their neighborhood. Would you, would uh, the way he left the impression, like at night, so was the sun already down? Was it night or yeah, we know like May? It was at night. It was, so it was kids were dark. already in bed. Yeah. Okay, kids were already in bed. So let's just pick a time out, 9 p.m. maybe? Maybe. Okay, so once again, this is his story. And where right. was he going? Where was he necessarily going with the youngest leaving? You know, she's not home. He says that she's walking down the street. He's in his vehicle with the youngest. And so the two, and how old were the oldest kids at the time? 10 and the older kids were 10 and eight or nine, I believe. They're only okay. a year apart. They were close in age. Okay. Um, and the little one was four. Okay. Um, he told me that he was just trying to get away from the house because they were fighting and the older kids had school. Um, he's told others and the police report says the same that he went to work. But again, he was not employed at the time. He had quit his job in, in oil in the oil field two weeks ago because he started panicking about what was going on. He didn't know what was going on with Bianca and he felt like he was losing control. So then he tried to find a job in San Antonio and it was some warehouse job. But even that Wednesday, he just didn't show up. Um, so he did not have a job in Odessa to go drive to. Okay. But what he's also saying, though, is being that she, if we're to believe this, if she left the house first, then technically he's the one who left the two oldest kids at Correct. home alone. And it's Correct. not like they're 17 and 15. They're, like you said, at ages where kids probably should not be left home by themselves. So he's admitting Correct. he did that. Correct. All right. And any idea where he went that night? Well, we know he got all the way to Odessa from San Antonio, which is five hours away. Wow. Um, I'm not sure what phone pings are showing or anything like that. Okay, and I I'll get into that later with Julie, hours. so that's no problem. Yeah, okay. She, yeah, she'll know more more about that. But um, San Antonio is five hours from Odessa. Okay. Some questions for you. Being that this is his story, what uh, you've been you had been to their house in the past in San Antonio. Yes. Okay. Can you describe the neighborhood for everybody? It was a nice neighborhood. Mm -hmm. All right. So houses like houses right on each side, house across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Older, uh, but it was nice, uh, established neighborhood. Okay. So what I'm saying is it's not like it was out in the middle of nowhere where the nearest neighbor's like two, two out miles away no. or something. Okay. No. Anybody ever report seeing Bianca walking on the streets that night? No. Not that you know of. Okay. No, and not that I know not, of. Not that you know of. And you've been, of course, it's, this is your sister. You're paying attention to these things. And not even, you know, we get a lot of um, eyewitnesses who end up being wrong. We don't even know whether to believe them. Anything even like that, that somebody said, you know what? At two in the morning, I was in San Antonio and saw a woman matching Bianca's description walk in somewhere. Anything like that at all? No. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. No okay. All right. So nobody saw her walking down the street, although it is dark, It's but it is a populated neighborhood. And are there any rivers or dense woods near where they lived? Once again, having you having been there. Yes. And that area was searched. Her her area of where she lived was searched. 
Okay, we'll get into this. I'll probably get into the searches with Julie. That's fine. But so there, are, it's not like pavement and concrete and houses for miles and miles and miles. Like if you were in downtown Los Angeles or something or New York City. No, but there, it was like a suburb neighborhood. Okay, very good. All right. And so when was the first tip off for you personally that something wasn't right, that Bianca was missing? When did you first figure that out? Did somebody call you? How did that occur for you? That Monday, I tried to contact her and her phone was off. Um, he was le leading up to that. He was kind of always in contact with me. I think he thought somehow I could convince her not to leave him. I'm not sure. Um, but I hadn't heard from him. And then when her phone was off, it prompted me to call him and he sounded completely opposite, like very careless um, from what he was sounding like. So I thought that was strange. But at the same time, um, nobody else had heard from her. I told my other sisters to get on Facebook a ask if anyone's seen her um and i asked if she went to work she didn't go to work that day so that was a big red flag because she was not the type of worker that would just not show up okay. so the next day and i i spoke i said this to him if she does not show up to work i will be calling the police because something is not right so she was supposed to work on May 2nd of 2016. That Correct. Yeah. All yes. right. And we also have to remember that those two kids were home by themselves. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. And they didn't I, go to I school remember, the next day. Correct. And I remember getting kind of upset that I said, we're, you know, asking, asking where the kids are. He told me they were at home by themselves. And I just kind of said, you know what? This is enough. Y'all are fighting and you're doing all this in front of the kids. I mean, do you need me to come get them? Because this is ridiculous. You know, y'all, this is too much for them. Um, and so I kind of had that kind of conversation. And then when I told him that I was going to call the police, he was like, no, just leave her be. And I just thought in my head, no, I'm not letting her be. This is not, this is weird. This she is wouldn't not have even walked him saying that she would have walked off is not even like her because where I felt like something was wrong, there was a yeah. lot of red flags for me. Okay. And you had this conversation with him on Monday. Correct. And did you know that at that point he was in Odessa? Uh, yes, I did. But I All had right, so no idea that he had taken the little. Okay. Didn't know that. And you didn't know anything about the two younger kids not going to school either. I knew that. He you told me know. that. Okay. So he admitted that, that both the parents, however we want to look at this, that the both of them, I guess, left their two kids at home to themselves. He basically admitted that. Correct. Okay. Uh, one more question for you, uh, Giovanna, and then I think that we'll move on uh, to Julie, if that's okay with you. Yes. Uh, once again, if there's any, you know, um, that's fine. Uh, when did the police, what did you do? When did the police get involved? That morning when I found out she did not show up, that immediately prompted me to call San Antonio Police Department. I live in Houston, so they had me call Houston Police Department. They came over to my home and I explained to them the situation that I was worried, concerned. And they asked me why the husband didn't call 
And I said, I'm not really sure why he hasn't called. So they called him in front of me and he lied and said that they had the wrong number. And I heard that with, I mean, police heard that. Um, so that was, that was a big one. Right. Okay. Did, uh, so did police eventually track him down in Odessa or wherever to talk to him? Um, he had to immediately come back because CPS got involved because the kids were left alone. Right. Okay. So he had to turn around and come back and, and deal with CPS. Okay. And that happened all on that Monday. That happened Tuesday. Tuesday, May 3rd of 2016. Right. That all, like I got missing persons involved. I believe Wednesday CPS, uh, moved, removed the children from him. Um, so yeah. Okay. Very good. We now move on to, uh, for the second half, I guess you could say of Bianca's disappearance with a friend of hers, Julie Stinson. Julie, welcome to Unfound. Hi, thank you. How did you first meet? Uh, first of all, maybe just a little bit, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and then go into how you and Bianca first met. Um, so as you said, my name is Julie. I'm originally from Odessa, Texas. I live in Midland now, which is hop, skip and jump away from Odessa. My family's still in Odessa. Um, I'm a nurse also. Um, I have three kids who aren't really kids anymore. They're all grown up. Um, my youngest is 19 and she's in college now. Um, but, uh, Bianca and I actually met in nursing school. So, um, in 2008, we went to LVN school together. She had since gone on to get her um, registered nurse's license. Um, I have not. I said I was going to, and then I just still haven't done it. But that's where we met, um, 2008, going to nursing school together. Um, I'm older than she is, um, and I didn't know her up until then. But, you know, it was a fast kind of a fast track program. It's a August to August. Um, it's not your traditional school. It's, um, you don't have the summer off. You don't have a break in between semesters. Wow. Um, it's a one year fast track, eat, breathe, sleep, nursing school. Okay. So um, that's how we met. And then we graduated nursing school. Um, and then we both went to work for the same hospital. Huh. So, uh, we worked there together. Um, she started first, um, and then I got a job afterwards, um, maybe a month in between. Um, it was just dealing with, uh, taking our boards. Um, they schedule you for your, to take your, your board exam to get your license. So she had taken hers a little bit sooner than I had scheduled mine. Um, but anyway, so then we worked at the hospital together and um, through nursing school, we discovered that we actually lived maybe five minutes away from each other. So kind of in the same neighborhood in Odessa, went to school together, then we worked together. Um, Daniel worked in the oil field. Um, and with that type of job, they're gone some depth. Usually it's like a seven on, seven off type of rotation. Um, we were working at the hospital where it's 12 hour shifts and it's, um, this schedule 
the normal schedule for nurses is um, like you work Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, Thursday, work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the opposite the next week, you're off Monday, Tuesday, work Wednesday, Thursday, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we stacked our schedules to where she worked one rotation, I worked the other rotation. She helped me with my kids. I helped her with her wow. kids. And so um, when Daniel was in town, he would help wherever it was needed with the kids. Um, our kids went to school. There was actually like two schools, one right behind another. They actually shared a cafeteria, but they were two different schools, if that makes sense. My kids went to one school. Her kids went to the other school. So um and then our girls, uh, her oldest, she didn't have the youngest at the time. Um, so her oldest and my youngest, which was my only girl, they went to um, like this cheerleading dance place together. So we just kind of, I was a single mom. Um, she kind of was at times because of Daniel being away. So we just kind of helped each other out and Daniel helped wow. out as well. So I actually got to be friends with both of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so you didn't know her until it's, you didn't know her until after she was married. So it's not like you were invited to her wedding. You didn't meet her until no. after that. Okay. Right. All right. Very good. And uh, your impressions have already asked, of course, Javon about this, but I'll ask you of this, you know, you were there you know, right in the area. I mean, your life was very intertwined with hers, you know, sharing yes. kids and, and things. I think that's spectacular. Um, your impressions of her marriage to Daniel and your just your impressions of Daniel, your opinion. I thought from what I saw that it was a pretty good marriage. Um, at the time, I remember thinking that, um, you know, I've, I've told people before, it's like he worshiped the ground that she walked on. Um, you know, he would show up sometimes at work and just, just to bring her, um, coffee. And she liked these beignets from, uh, Starbucks. Um, he'd show up with like a specific makeup that he knew that she liked, which, I've been married before and I can guarantee you that he had no clue what kind of makeup I wore <laughs> or where to go get it or what shade or anything like that. So to uh -huh. me, that was something that was like, oh, wow, that's pretty impressive because, yeah. you know, like that's just not something that you're just normal everyday average husband would know. And, um, and I'm and now figuring did. out why I'm single at 52. So thank you for that. <laughs> It's okay, okay, please, please continue. All right. So he's um, very attentive. He knew what Bianca liked and, you know, he'd yes. show up at work. Okay, great. I remember with her being um, pregnant with the youngest child, um, I witnessed him like tie her shoes before because she was pregnant and, you know, it was just kind of, I don't know, it seemed to just be like how they were. Mm -hmm. Um now did they argue of course um it was a very very childish like where they would just like i mean literally 
you could compare it to like children, you know, like I know you are, but what am I kind of, you know, not specifically that, but like, you know, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. And then, you know, or don't touch me or whatever. And then the other one's going, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you, but you know, like right there. And these are grown adults in a marriage. So, you know, they would say things to each other that they knew was going to hurt each other's feelings. Yeah. Um, but, and there are things that now that I'm the age I am with more wisdom, I guess, as you get older, Mm -hmm. that looking back, I could see as, you know, some toxic traits in their marriage, Um, like going long periods of time without speaking to each other. I mean, I understand that you get into an argument, but like sometimes they'd go like a week without even speaking to each other. This is what, once again, this is what Bianca was telling you. It's not like you were living it, but this is what Bianca was telling you. Right, right, right. All right. So, but all in all, I didn't feel like it was a bad marriage. Okay. All right. Once again, we're not, I'm just asking you for your impressions, but you're not living under the same house, even though you were, had different schedules and taking care of each kids, who knows what goes on behind, behind closed, closed doors, behind closed doors. Okay. Absolutely. And when was the last time that you saw or talked to Bianca before she went missing? And what was the content of that conversation? I'm going to say that it was probably about six months, maybe a little bit longer. Wow. Um, So they had only been living in San Antonio for two years whenever she went missing. And when they moved up there, um, there was a transition program is what it's called. Whenever you want to go from getting your L from your LVN license to transition into getting your RN license, you don't have to like backtrack and do all the things that you would have to do if you went just originally for your RN, but there's also limited places that offer the transition. Um, and especially back then, there's more so now, but back then the college that she had found, um, was in San Antonio. Um, so once they got moved up there and then she started school, you know, she's in school full-time, she's got three kids. Um, I had three kids being a single mom. It was just like, you know, just life basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I had helped her out on some homework a few times here and there. She had called me like, Hey, can you help me with this? We went over a couple of things. Um, and then at one point, my middle son, he played travel baseball and we were going to have a tournament in San Antonio. So I had contacted her and was like, Hey, any suggestions? you know, I don't really know the San Antonio area, any suggestions on like hotels. This is where we're playing at. Do you, are you familiar with this? And she's like, no, silly, don't get a hotel. You can just come stay with us. Like Mm -hmm. that way we can hang out. We can make uh, one of the games. I'll give you a key. That way you can come and go as you need to, if we're not here. Um, And so we were going to do that. However, in San Antonio, it rains a lot. I'm in West Texas where we have to like do a rain dance. Mm 
mm-hmm. and lots of prayers to get rain, but it's not like that in San Antonio. And we ended up getting rained out of that tournament. So I never, we never actually went to San Antonio. Okay. Um, and approximately and then, when was this? What month of what year was this approximately? Uh, it was 2015. Hmm. I'm going to say it was in the summer because that's when we would have, so maybe June, July. Yeah, base, baseball. Okay. And what was the reason that, that you two were not living near each other? Did she move or did you move? No, she moved um, to San Antonio. They moved okay. to San Antonio. Um, and okay. like I said, it, that college was there so that she could transition from the LDN okay. to RN. And I think they just wanted to like kind of start new. I was looking at her Instagram last night and there's a picture of the house where she says, you know, she's so excited for new beginnings. Okay. And so you hadn't seen her, you hadn't seen her for quite a while, but how about talking to her on the phone talking, or messaging talking her or to her? I would, I would say, I mean, you know, we interacted on Facebook, you know, even if just like tagging each other in a post or something that reminded us of each other or whatever, but, um, talking to it had probably been about six months before that. And I was helping her with, uh, homework stuff is the last I remember. Okay. So it'd been a while. So when she went yeah. missing, you had not spoken to her for quite a while. Yeah. Any, That's any right. looking back at it now, of course, she's been missing for over seven years. Any thinking about back now that that now you look back and that says wow that seems like a long time that we didn't speak what was uh do you do you bl- no blame necessarily but do you blame that on yourself do you think it had something to do with bianca what do you think no you know honestly i think it was just both of us and life you know like i said i i had i was a single mom uh working full-time plus i had three kids that were school age at that time Um, I had a daughter that was in dance. My oldest one played tennis. My middle one played baseball. She's going to college. Her kids are involved in things there in San Antonio. Um, And, you know, nursing school's tough. So her being back in school, you know, I think all of her time and everything was dedicated to school. And then what time she had left over was with the kids and just life happens, you know, and before you know it, a year's passed and it's like, whoa. Right. Okay. Very good. Thank you for explaining that. All right. And so were you aware, as Giovanna has talked about, that she and Daniel, we saw you already talked about seeing things firsthand, but Mm -hmm. did you had any inkling that things had gotten so bad to the point that Bianca was thinking about getting a divorce? Not a clue. Not a clue. And do you think this is just because you two had not interacted in a while? Um, that, and just from speaking with people who had talked to her and interacted with her more recently, mm-hmm. um, it seems like she was, um, keeping a lot of secrets, um, okay. not wanting to really tell people what she had going on. Okay. Um, that's what you've deduced since then kind of think think on your mind okay since then all right let's move on to this how did you find out that bianca was missing so on fate i I remember i was at work um i was still living here in the um i was living in odessa 
working in Midland. I was at work and on Facebook, just looking, scrolling through. And there was a post by her sisters. Um, I don't remember which one. I want to say it was her younger sister, Brianna, had posted a picture of her and was like, my sister is missing. If anybody has seen her, please let us know. And I was like, what? Missing? What is going on? Like missing how? How how could she be missing? So I automatically, right that second, messaged Daniel on Facebook. And I said, hey, uh, what's going on? Where's Bianca? Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't know. And I was like, what do you mean you don't know? And so he calls me. He calls you? Yes. Wow. And okay. I, he was like, hey, what's up? And I was like, I, I don't know. You tell me what's up. Like, what? what mm-hmm. is Bianca really missing? And he was like, yeah, I guess. Where did you hear that from? And I said, well, there's a post on Facebook from Brianna. I'm pretty sure it was Brianna. And sh- and he said, what? They posted it on Facebook? And I said, yeah, is she missing? And he goes, man, I don't know why they did that. She took off. And now it's going to be less likely that she comes back if, if they posted it all over Facebook. Like, because she's going to think she's going to get in trouble or not going to want to come back because everybody's talking about it on Facebook or something to that effect. Like he was upset that they had posted it on Facebook. Okay. And what day, and and if you can remember maybe the day, how long after a disappearance did this occur? May 2nd, May 4th, May 10th. I'm going to say it was like May 3rd. Okay. So that Tuesday. Okay. And, um, so I'm still just like, confused Mm -hmm. and trying to figure it out and he like definitely doesn't seem concerned and is like you know well she just she just took off like she had been acting weird and um I don't know what all she had going on but you know she we were getting a divorce, but we had already filed all the paper or filled out all the papers um, ourselves to like turn into the to the court instead of getting attorneys. She was fine with letting me have the kids. And I'm just thinking, what? Like what has happened? Mm-hmm. And yeah, because you've been out of the loop for six months. Yeah. And so I'm like, but still, this just does not seem, I was like, really? She didn't want the kids or anything? And she's like, he said, no, she even agreed to pay me child support and that I could have the house and she was going to leave, that she just didn't feel like she could be a good mom right now. And I was like, was. Sounds like every divorced man's dream. Okay. I'm going to get like, the kids, child support. I'm going to get the house, the house, everything. Like, and it just didn't okay. seem. Didn't seem real I was to like, you. Yeah. I was like, well, what was going on? Was she like on drugs or something? You think like that was my only, not that 
I thought that that was a possibility, but at the same time, that's the only thing that would make me think that this was even a possibility. Like nothing in her right mind without it being distorted, would this all be happening? I've, I have to ask you this in talking to him, once again, the best you can tell two days later, we have to remember this disappearance is over seven years ago. Did right. he give you exactly, we already heard from Giovanna of what he told her. Do you remember him telling you what happened that night of May 1st, 2016? He just said that she, they got into an argument. She took off walking. Okay. Did he say anything about then he left with their youngest child and left the two kids at home? Did that ever come up in that conversation? Um, yeah, it came up, but he just said that um he was like she I remember him saying well we were arguing and she was like uh or he was like well you know I gotta leave to go back to Odessa for work and that she was like uh well I'm leaving so you better not leave because I'm leaving and that he was like no stop acting like that you know I have to go to work you can't leave and she was like yeah I'm leaving so you better not leave and that she took off walking and that um, he drove past her and left. And he's like, I just figured she'd go back. Okay. And did he bring up bringing the youngest, their, young, their youngest, who I believe is a daughter? Not, un not until I asked, you know, when it popped in my head, I'm like, wait, where are the kids at? Okay. And then he said he had the youngest with him. Okay. And I was like, okay. And the oldest two, you know, I said by name, like, where are they at? And he said they were at home. And I was like, by themselves? And he said, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't know they were going to be by themselves because I thought she was going to go back. Okay. And I was like, Okay, well, when did you figure out that she didn't go back? And yeah, that's a good question. When did he find out that she didn't go back, being that he went so, to Odessa? Right. So he tells me that um, that he, because of him working in Odessa and being away a lot, that he would always call them every morning to tell them good morning, have a good day at school you know, whatever. And that he had called them that morning and that um, when he called, he could tell they were asleep and that he had woken them up. Huh. And so he asked them, hey, why are y'all still asleep? Why aren't y'all up getting ready for school? And they said, well, mommy didn't wake us up. And so that he asked them, well, where is she? And they said, well, she's asleep in her room. And that he told them, okay, well, y'all know that y'all have to get up and get ready for school. So go wake her up and y'all get ready so that you can go to school. And then he said that he said that they were like, okay. And so then he said that, <clears throat> that he got a call from school. And that the school told him that the kids didn't go to school. So he called them back. And he was like, hey, 
what are y'all doing? And they were like, nothing, watching TV, whatever. And he said, uh, why didn't y'all go to school? And they said, oh, well, mommy wasn't here to take us. Huh. And his response was, well, what the hell? Why didn't y'all get on y'all's bikes and ride to school? You know, you don't just miss school, which was odd to me because I'm like, time okay. out, their mom's not there. Like, this All is right, not so, normal. So just to get, so your impression then is that's how he found out that she was missing from his own kids who were there at home by themselves. That's yes. your impression. And, and he asked them where she at and, or he said that he told them, oh, I thought she was sleeping. And that the oldest daughter of theirs said, well, we thought she was because her door was closed. But when we went to her room and opened the door, she wasn't there. She wasn't there. Okay. How did you, so when did you finally talk to somebody in Bianca's family, whether it was Giovanna or anybody else after this conversation, did you call Bianca? Did you message? Of course you saw this post and everything, but you know, what, what happened if you can remember very quickly? Yeah, so I, I contacted, um, I want to say I contacted another girl that we worked with at the hospital initially. I contacted her on Facebook and was like, hey, did you see that post that Bianca's missing? And she was like, yes. Um, and then I talked to her and then she put me in contact with Giovanna. Had you ever spoken to Giovanna before? Did you know her? Um, I knew of her, but I had not ever spoken to her before, no. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. How, of course, we're seven years since this disappearance, and, of course, you're being interviewed along with Giovanna for this episode. So, obviously, at some point, you got very, very involved in publicizing or trying to push forward the investigation into Bianca's disappearance. When did you start doing that? How did you decide to start doing that? Well, I I try. Well, I I was involved initially um, when she first went missing, and um, you know the police were involved, but they just kept telling us, you know, we're working things behind the scenes, but we can't really tell y'all anything because it's an open investigation, and this went on and on and on, and you know. I didn't know what to do, you know, like we didn't, we didn't know what to do. We were, we're trusting in law enforcement that like they said, they're doing things in the background that nobody can know about. So yeah. we've just kind of let it go, let it go, let it go. And, but it's always been in the back of my mind, like what happened to her? And so whenever it came up on this seven year anniversary I was like, okay, enough is enough. Like it has been seven years and we are no closer now, seven years later than we were in the beginning. And we're still getting told the same thing. And the original Facebook that we had for her, the awareness Facebook we had for her had gotten hacked. Um, and so I'm like, you know what? My kids are grown now. I have work. And pretty much that's it. I'm about to delve into this and figure this out. If nobody else is, I'm going to give it all I have and figure this out. Let's yeah. make a new Facebook. 
let's get this out there. Let's contact people to get the whole story out because initially they're like, well, you can't disclose this and you can't disclose that because we don't want to blow the case and you know, Uh this, that, and the other. And now I'm like, blow what case? Yeah. blow, Blow what investigation? Yeah. I mean, seriously. And the more I dove into it, I'm like, wow. If what I'm finding and I'm just me, I'm not even a licensed private investigator and what information I can get my hands on versus what I know they have to have more access to. Why are we still here? Mm -hmm. So it's been a good two months that we've gone super heavy on, you know, trying to get her story out there, pushing the Facebook page, trying, you know, I've gone on Facebook where San Antonio has posted like little funny, you know, things on Facebook and where they're just uh, making their own little funny videos or whatever. And I posted on the comments, Hey, while y'all are hanging out, making videos, how about somebody help me find my friend Bianca, who's been missing from San Antonio for seven years. Um, Mm -hmm. Literally doing any and everything that I think that I can do to get somebody's attention. And apparently something worked because um, it looks like they're putting some, some work back into the case again, but come to find out all this time, we've been thinking that it's been worked on. I don't think that's the case. No. All right. So really, and we're doing uh, once again, this interview is being done on June 30th of 2023 just like uh with Giovanna once again same day one after the other let's get into some of the factual information things that Giovanna and I did not discuss and this is like what we might call the the, the continue the rest of the investigation and everything and we're going to start with the phone and of course you working on this hard for two months what have you learned about the phone for example is the phone missing was it left behind where did it last ping? Does anybody have any cell phone info? What can you say about the cell phone? Um, so as far as Bianca's cell phone, um, he said that she took it with her. Um, okay. It was the last ping was in her neighborhood, like at her house. Okay. It was at 10.22 p.m. that huh. night. Um, that's the that's last crazy. location, and the, it's never been turned on again. There's been no activity from it since then. All right. So not only is she missing, her phone is missing, too. Yes. Okay. To your knowledge, is any, I'll go back to the phone in, uh, for a second, but is anything else of... Bianca's missing, for example, her purse, uh, her ID, anything like that, to your knowledge, anything else missing from that besides her phone? Um, so that's a, you know, the only one that's there to say what happened or what she had or what she didn't would be Daniel. Um, he told us that she left because, you know, not only did she just walk away and leave her kids there, but she also left her car. So he tells us her, her purse was left in the car. Okay. He tells police, he get, 
gives them the description um, of what she was last wearing and what she had when she took off walking. And he says that she had a Prada purse and, and a Prada wallet. That's what Daniel says. To the police. Okay. But he tells us that she left her purse in the car. Okay. Is it possible she had more than like most women do? She had more than one purse? Um, For sure. She had plenty of purses. I can say that for sure. <laughs> Okay. All right. So we just have to keep that in mind. Once again, I, I know what everybody is trying to say regarding this disappearance. We just can't do that in this type of venue. Going right. back to the phone, we, uh, Javon and I did talk about how she had another man in her life, maybe just very, very new, but still, did she talk to this other man on that day, May 1st of 2016? Yes. Um, okay. I have her phone records and the last text and phone calls were with this man okay we're not going to get into his name but right. um what were the content what do you know about the content of the text in the call that they had so when i contacted him um i specifically asked more about the texts um mm -hmm. You know, because I thought if anything, you could discreetly send a text if something was wrong versus an actual phone call mm -hmm. and told him that I saw the records. Was she, did she seem scared? Did she say anything that would have made you think that something was going on that was wrong? And he says no, that all of the um, texts were just like normal type text between them. He didn't specifically say what the texts were. Um, he did say he remembered speaking to her very briefly that evening okay. and that um, she said, um, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to figure things out. Okay. All right. And did they have, to your knowledge, did he ever say anything? Well, we had plans to meet later that week or anything like that. Did he ever get an impression that Daniel was there when the two were texting or talking? No, um, I didn't ask him if he knew if Daniel was there or not. He did say that the one of the last times he talked to her that she said, I'll call you later. Mm. And then also said, and she never called me later. Okay. Uh, what being that you we know that her phone, I guess, died one way or the other, it went off 10, 20 something. What do you know? When did they text and call? How much, how, how long before that? Do you remember? So her last phone call was at 8.38 PM for one minute. And her last text was, um, 9.54. Wow. But before that 9.54 text, um, it was 8.08. Oh, okay. hold on. She sent the last text out at 8.08 p.m. Okay. She received a text from him at 9.54. Okay. And she never responded to the 9.54 text as best as you can tell? Yes. Okay. So, so last phone activity for her would have been that 838 phone call and text would have been at 808. 
All right, so he actually heard her voice at 8.38 p.m. that night. I, there's that call and there's a 7.20 p.m. call. Mm -hmm. He says that he remembers speaking to her briefly that evening. Mm -hmm. As in like one call, so I don't know. Which one it is. We're not sure. I guess, once again, you're not talking to him until seven years later. He's not sure what right. what time it was. Was it seven something? Was it eight something? He doesn't remember. Right. Okay, very good. Um, moving on, once again, one something regarding the text that came up kind of with Giovanna, but I'm going to ask you about it. You've seen this text regarding uh, Bianca claiming that Daniel had closed her accounts I guess this was the previous Friday. You've seen this text? Yes. Okay. Um, and I actually asked Daniel about that. Yeah. And what do you say, please? Great. Um, he didn't close the account. He took the money out of the account is what he said, um, that he drained the account. So, yes, yes, he did. He Why'd told he me that okay. he gave her money, like cash money, like he took all the money out but that he gave her the amount that she had contributed into the account. He didn't give a specific number, but he just said it was both of our accounts, both of our checks went in there. I took out all the money and I gave her the money that she had contributed from that's her paycheck. That's what he told you. Okay, any proof of that? The D, I mean, I don't know how you prove that, but that's just what he says. Did he Did he give, uh, when you spoke to him, once again, you're not what you've heard from other people, you speaking to him, did he give any reason for doing that? Um, I don't remember if he did or not. I want to say that he did because I'm sure I would have been like, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. But I don't remember... Okay. When did you talk to him about this specific topic? Um, was this back in like 2016? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, all right. All right. So this is a conversation yeah. that happened like a while once ago. Once that came out, I was like, well, wait, <clears throat> now, now it, they're saying this, that, and the other. Like, did that happen? And that's when he told me. Okay. All right, so there is this, but so he is disputing the way Bianca portrayed it in that text. He's saying that she's saying one thing, he told you something else. Well, I think she says in the text, he's drained the money out of the account. Mm -hmm. And, and she that she true. only had a credit card that was almost maxed out. I, I believe that was the, the context of the text. Okay. So, yes. And then he tells me he gives her the money that was hers out of the account. But had he done that, then I guess she wouldn't have been saying that she didn't have any mother money other than her credit card. So right. that's that's important to note in that text where she's complaining about it. There's no point that she say, yeah, but he gave me my half of the cash. Right. Right. OK, very good. Moving on. Let's talk about the children. We cannot forget about. Yes, we have a four year old who. You know, as we've learned on Unfound, you know, four-year-olds' memories are not going to be very, you know, they're not going to recall such things. But we do have uh, two older children. What were they, 10 and 8, 8 and 9? 
Nine yeah, ten. 10 and he was either nine or eight at the time, depending on, I don't remember exactly what month his birthday was, but. Okay. And we know that from our own experiences in life that, you know, we can remember back to being eight years old or 10 years old, maybe I think a little leg or, or something. So be, you know, at that point, children are building memories that they're going to hold on for a long time. Do you know if police, once they started getting involved in Bianca's disappearance, being that these kids were home by themselves, do you know if the police uh, talked to them and what were their recollections of that night of May 1st of 2016? Do you have any idea what these two kids told the uh, investigators or maybe child services or something like that? So um, I know that they did uh forensic interviews with the kids um i do also know that from um an official report that i've seen from child it's cps is what we call it child protective okay. services i think it's different everywhere but it is um sure so and it said in there that both of the older children said that they had been fighting, arguing a lot. Just Bianca to be clear, and Daniel. Daniel and Bianca had been fighting, just to be clear. Yes, Daniel and Bianca fighting, okay. Bianca and Daniel had been arguing a lot, or that they argued a lot, and that the week before their mom went missing, they had been arguing a lot more. Okay. I think they had them rate it from a scale to from like one to 10 and the oldest one said that the week before it had gone up to like an eight. Wow. Again, this is 10 year old. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't have any information on what the forensic interviews were like with any okay. of them or. All right. So we don't have any for this. Is just an example. We don't have any statement. You know about that the kid said, yeah, I saw mommy walk off that night. We don't have anything like that. No, um, it does say in, in the information that I have that um, the kids were in bed, that their bedtime was eight, according to the oldest. Okay. Um, and then the oldest states that um, they were all in bed, that her little sister was in bed with her, when they went to sleep, they were side by side. When she woke up the next morning, that the little sister was gone. That's okay. And that is the four-year-old that Daniel took, that he admitted, that he admitted taking. Yes. Okay. And we've already heard from Giovanna about how these kids did not go to school that day because Bianca wasn't there and neither was the father because he was over in Odessa. Right. Right. Okay. So really, even though we have an eight-year-old or nine-year-old and a 10, you know, an eight and 10-year-old or something like that, that even though they would normally, I think, be pretty good witnesses, it seems that they didn't see anything. They can't back up their father's story, for example. Our understanding, yes. Okay. Very good. What about searches? Um, she's missing. I know what a lot we, you know, you know, we're not getting into that, but I, you know, having done this like 300 times now, I know how the listeners think and they're leaning toward a particular direction, but we don't do any theorizing or anything like this on these interviews, but were any searches done around that area? Um, and we'll get into the house in a, in a second, but any, you know, if she did walk, 
did they go to areas where a body might be that not might not be easily seen? What do you know about anything about that, Julie? Um, I do know that um, they conducted a search. Um, the na- the people in the neighborhood. Um, so they live in a HOA neighborhood okay. and um, apparently have like some kind of group chat thing between the neighbors next door app, I think. Um, and so once it was put out that she was missing, had left on a walk and not returned, they kind of gathered together as the HOA. They conducted a search themselves. Um, the first search I'm going to say was just, I don't know, a couple of days after she was reported missing. Um, and they conducted that search themselves. Um, and then EquiSearch also did a search of the surrounding area. I've not been to um, Bianca's house in San Antonio, okay. but apparently there's... Um, like uh, areas that around there that have like trees and stuff, but no houses. Um, and so they searched, EquiSearch searched a whatever mile radius or whatever that they do. Um, and then that was based on Bianca's uh, phone in the last ping. Um, other than that, no other searches. Okay, so they did give an attempt around that area. You know, how far are they really going to try to do something in any direction? You know, it really, really depends. But some searches were done and neither she nor anything connected to her, to your knowledge, were found. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's just take a look at Daniel's story once again. uh, She says that they got into a fight and she walks off. For some reason, he then decides he's going to leave with the four-year-old, leaving the other two children in our home who surely cannot take care of themselves. And your understanding, and you've spoken to him, his understanding was he thought that Bianca at some point would turn around and go home. That's what he said. That's what he told me, yes. Okay. And it where is also he, please. in some other paperwork that would be legal. where he says that she was actually just standing in the front yard Mm. and had not actually taken off walking and that he didn't know that she was going to walk away and leave. Okay. So we also have to figure out, so it's like, let's just say it's 10 o'clock that night on a Sunday, on a Sunday night. And how far is it given that you're a Texan? I am not. How far is it from San Antonio to where he ended up in Odessa? About five hours. So he decided to leave at 10 at night with his four-year-old to get to Odessa in three in the morning. We don't know what time he got there. We don't know. Okay. Could he explain? Now, of course, Giovanna said, and I wonder now that this brings something to my mind, Giovanna was very clear in her impression is that Daniel didn't even have a job at that time. But he told you or has told others that he needed to do that because of work. That seems like a contradiction. Can you clarify that? Yeah, so um, I wasn't aware of this fact until recently, whenever I started like diving in. Um, 
one of the reasons that I guess, you know, in the beginning when everybody's kind of talking with everybody and trying to contact Giovanna, and I'm sure it's hard to remember who she told what to and what have you. And I didn't get that detail of him not having a job. What made me question recently was um, a, a friend of Bianca's that we all worked at the hospital with she had contact or she told me she contacted Daniel on that Monday when she couldn't get a hold of Bianca that he, she contacted him around lunchtime and was like, Hey, her phone's going to her straight to voicemail. Like, do you know where she's at and why she's not answering? And he told her, well, she took off last night. She said that she could hear in the background that he was outside. And so she asked him, where are you at? And he said, I'm playing golf. And she said, wait, I thought you had to go to work. And he said, well, I did, but I took the day off because I needed to clear my head. And then she asked, well, who are you playing golf with? And what do you mean she just took off? And he said, I'm by myself. And um, she just left. And that she asked him without her car, like who, who, who'd she leave with then? And he said, I don't know, probably that other guy and left it at that. So then I was, you know, as we're kind of backtracking, going over things and I'm talking to Giovanna about it, she's like, yeah, well, the thing about that is, is that he didn't even have a job. He says that he went to uh, Odessa for a job, but the understanding factually is that he did not have a job at the time. And what proves it is he said he was golfing that day, that Monday. Well, he had told, that's what I was saying with that, was that he had told Giovanna mm-hmm. um, that he had quit his job mm-hmm. in the oil field in Odessa so that he could get a job in San Antonio to possibly salvage I the see. marriage. All like right. ma- He was feeling like maybe him being there would be better. Um, and so okay. she knew that he had gotten a job there. He had told her that. But then he quit it after just a couple of days. He was and hadn't got another job. So that's how we know. Okay. And, but he said about golfing, this was the next day, May 2nd. Uh, yes. All right. So essentially he drove five hours the way, once again, it's his story. We're not making this up. It's his right. story. It's right. out there. Mm-hmm. And he leaves, goes five hours, gets to Odessa in the middle of the night. So he could go golfing by himself. Well, he says it was to go to work. Well, I know what he says, but, but he, he, he ended up at the golf. Mind. If we're to, it's his words. He went golfing. Right. Okay. All right. He never <laughs> told me he went golfing. He told me he had to go to work. All right. And it's in another else. legal report that because they asked him in, in this report, like how come, because he apparently didn't get back to, according to the report, he didn't get back to San Antonio with the kids until 8 p.m. So they asked him, why did it take you so long when you found out way earlier? And he said he had to wait until three o'clock when he had a break from work to be able to head back over there. Even though he told somebody else he was golfing. Or maybe maybe his job is golfing. Maybe he was, uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, Okay. So there's some contradictory stuff going on here. Okay. The house and the property uh, did... Uh, Daniel, give permission for it to be searched. The vehicles. What we do know. What do we know all about that? 
um, he told me that, that he offered, um, the house to be searched, mm-hmm. um, that he told them that he was going to have to move everything out of there and rent it out because he wasn't going to be able to afford it with only his income and that he would have to have help from his family at, at home in Odessa. Um, and so he told them if they wanted to search it before he started moving everything out, then they could. I don't know how it actually happened, but yes, they did search the house. Okay. I don't know if the story he said, but that's the only story I know. Okay. Um, I don't know what became of the search other than they called him and according to him, called him and told him that it was okay to go back to the house. And he told me that the smell of the luminol or whatever they put in there, that it was really strong. He had to like open up the windows and um, let it air out before he could actually like go in there. Okay. I don't know what happened with it. If they found anything, if they didn't find anything, but. Okay. So, I mean, many times when we have disappearances, let's just say that sound like this one, many times the men do not allow the pro- their property to be searched. But in this one, your understanding is he allowed that. And um, did did he did they did he and Bianca own that house or that property? Yes, it's still in both of their names. Still both of their names. Did Daniel continue does Daniel continue to live there in 2023? He does. He does. Okay. He rented it out for a period of time, but he's been back in it for several years, I believe. Okay. What about, do you know anything about the cars uh, that they had? Of course, especially the one that he drove from San Antonio to Odessa. Do you think that was also something that he allowed to be searched? Do you know anything about that? My understanding is that they searched both cars. Okay. And you don't know what they found, of course. Mm -mm. Okay. All right, so we got, you know, sort of something doesn't seem right here, but we have a guy who allowed the house to be searched. You know, he goes off, doesn't seem like it make a a ton of sense, but maybe it does. But, of course, the house is searched. Daniel's still walking around a free man, uh, et cetera. Now, we have to remember, of course, Daniel was in her life. Uh, He is her husband. It seems, I mean, people are going to make the stories with that, you know, whatever they're going to do. It does seem like there's some contradictions there, but that doesn't mean that Bianca didn't walk off and, you know, there could be no foul play. You know, we just don't know. If we knew what happened, we could just go solve it right now. But we do have to talk about this other guy again. Giovanna and I did talk uh, about him a little bit. Did the police talk to him? Did they establish an alibi? Of course, he admits, and there is proof that they had some sort of communication on that day, even though it doesn't seem to be a long communication. But for example, the way you understand it, could she have walked from where she lived to where this guy lived, if you even know where he lives, for example? I don't know where he lives. Um, And he expressed to me that he didn't know where she lived. Um. And the police have said that he was cleared 
Okay. It's the only person that we've ever known to be cleared. Um, I don't know what process they went through to clear him, but they have said that he was cleared. Okay. Um, and did he, when you spoken to him, did he ever tell you how he found out that Bianca was missing? Um, so he said, for one, that the, um, that she had told him, I'll call you later and never did. But then he said that the police went to his house, that he lived with his parents and that the police went to his house asking if there had been a girl that had stayed the nights over there. Wow. Okay. And, um, that he wasn't there, that they asked his mom, um, and that coincidentally there had been a friend that was a girl that had stayed the night, I guess that Sunday night. Um, but that they determined quickly, I guess I'm going to assume they showed the mom a picture or something. Mm -hmm. And then she told them, oh no, that's not her. Okay. All right. So it sounds like this guy maybe had more than one woman that he was being friendly with then, I guess. He, he told me that it was a, because he was like, what's crazy is I have a friend that's a girl that's just a friend and has been my friend for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and then specific before that he had specifically told me that Bianca had never gone over there and like stayed the night or anything because he lives with his parents. And, you know, that just wasn't something that would be okay. And then proceeds to tell me that he had a girl that was just a friend, only a friend had been a friend for a long time. So I don't know. Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that either, but it seems like he was investigated and the, the police cleared him. But in my world, I don't, you know, I don't know whether I'm supposed to believe any of that stuff or not, but, um, and just remind all of us again, he, he found out that she was missing when police showed up at the, his house. Yes. And do you think it was because of this phone information they were to track him down because him being on her phone, his, her phone records? Is that what you think? So it's been reported um, that when they interviewed, when the police interviewed Daniel mm. and were asking him, can you think of anywhere she might be? Or, and he said, I don't know. You might want to check with this guy. So Daniel knew about this other guy. Oh, that's yeah. the, that's okay. And Daniel even knew his name. Yes. And even knew where he lived. That I don't know. Okay. Do you think that this is something the way you understand Bianca and I realize married people aren't, you know, no matter what situation, then I mean, we, we know all that we're not here to be the morality police. Um, do you think this is something that, Bianca would have necessarily volunteered to Daniel or what well, your impression? No, no. We know how he found out. How um, did he find out? So at the time that he found out, um, Bianca's phone was on the same account as Daniel's phone. Oh my. She didn't get her own phone in her own name and her own account 
until the Thursday before she went missing. Wow. So he was telling Jovan called Giovanna before Giovanna had been able to talk to Bianca about things saying he was concerned about her. And at that time, Bianca wasn't answering Giovanna's phone calls. Um, and so Giovanna was concerned as well. And he was like, I don't know if she's hanging out with the wrong people or what. Um, can you help ask Giovanna to help him get into their phone account? So she assists him. She's like, well, have you set up an online account? And he's like, no, how do you do that? And she's like, well, give me your information. I'll set it up for you so that you can get into the phone account. Because Giovanna was worried too at that point because Bianca wouldn't answer her phone calls either. So she was kind of manipulated into the situation where really it wasn't that he was concerned. He was wanting to see what Bianca was doing. So right. once that's he how he found out. Account. Okay. And how many, you know, and how many days before the disappearance or, or what? So apparently this all happened on Wednesday. He got access to the phone records. He, um, took the money out of the account. He um, contacted this other guy. He was. Um, he actually, did he actually contact this other guy? He did. He did. Uh, this is what this other guy told you? Yes. And what was the content of that conversation? So um, this other guy said he was at work. <clears throat> And that his phone rang. He didn't know who it was. He answers it. And that Daniel said, hey, you know, you're talking to my wife, right? And the guy said, uh, hmm. no, sorry, sir. And hung up. Okay. Did this guy know that Bianca was married? Did she ever tell him that? Um, no, he did not. Okay. All right. So... Was that the extent or did Daniel try calling back? Did they have a longer conversation or what? No, I even asked him, like, did he threaten you ever? Or, and he's like, no, I just hung up real quick. All right. So that's the, that's the only conversation those two had. Yeah. Okay. What has Daniel done uh, since 2016? Of course, we have to remember these kids were like 10 and 8 at the time. It's seven years ago, so they're like 17 and 15. Has he allowed uh, Bianca's side of the family to talk to them, like for any family get-togethers or anything? Uh, what has gone on, your understanding, the last seven years regarding Daniel and these kids? Um, no, he hasn't allowed anyone anyone from Bianca's family, anyone um, as far as her friends. Uh, I actually, maybe about a month ago, I found the oldest one on Instagram. Mm. And like I said, we had our own, I had my own relationship with, with her kids, yeah, you know, yeah. like even after she went missing, I, and Daniel had them, I went and picked them up and, you know, they'd stay the night or we'd 
hang out or whatever, because it was a, I was trying to help the kids have some normalcy to their life. Um, and I found the oldest on Instagram and I was like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, request to follow her or whatever it is on Instagram. Um, and shortly after that, I got a request back from her to follow me because my account's private and, um, I accepted it. And then about 10 minutes later, I was blocked. Once you found out who you were. Well, I would bet my life that she would never block me. I just know she wouldn't. Um, I feel like maybe there's someone or someone's that monitor her social media. Yeah, her father, like like any parent monitor who should be monitoring what their kid's doing social media. Right. So he kind of saw who you were and that was that. Yeah. Which is weird to me because like I said, I was friends with them all and there wasn't ever anything that happened. I mean, to be honest with you, I spoke to him and, and remained his friend for much longer than anyone else did. After she went missing. After, yeah. after, after Bianca went yes. missing. Okay. Yes. Is being that you maintained contact with him back in 2016 longer than anybody else did how would you say her disappearance affected him how did he handle it did he did he he, was he helpful in any way doing any searches or any interviews that you know of i know that he went um on that i think it was like the first search that i told you that the hoa group conducted um, I, I know that he went on that. Um, I, I know that I did ask him, like, how come you don't like speak out or, you know, advertise that she's missing or, you know, those kind of things. And he said, um, how pathetic would that look of me? We were getting a divorce. She didn't want to be with me. So how does that make me look if I'm out here like, please help find my wife? She didn't want me and we were going to get a divorce, but can you help me find her? And I was like, okay. Uh, okay. I mean, I guess I could see, you know, being a man and being prideful and, you know, it was already mentioned of this other guy and, but then now that I've thought about it, just my own self personally, and being that I have kids and I'm also divorced, I don't speak to my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. He's not my favorite person. Mm-hmm. But if he went missing, and even to add to that, he's not even in my daughter's life, but there would still be an amount of concern there. Yeah. I would still probably, I would definitely participate in any way that I could to, to help find him because that's my daughter's dad, regardless of whatever we had going on, or even the fact that he wasn't ever really around much, that's still her dad. And there's going to be some concern there. And the fact that 
you know, like there's no, if, if he's gone and something's happened and we don't know where he's at, then that leaves her concerned about what happened to her dad or, you know what I'm saying? I do. I, I didn't really think of it that way initially, but like just kind of thinking on things lately, I'm like, Okay. And we were divorced. Yes. So what you're saying is you kept in contact with him and uh, it sounds to me like he wanted to make the disappearance all about him. Well, it'll be embarrassing for me. It'll make me look stupid. Things. That's That was his explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. He was very, I saw him, you know, here and there throughout the time um, that she was missing, like maybe for the first couple of months. Um, and he looked not good. Okay. He said he what you know, he had like bags and I'm like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm still thinking, you know, like this is initially, you don't know what to say or think or ask or, you know, and he's like, well, I just can't sleep. And. I don't have an appetite and because I mean I noticed just within a short amount of time he looked like he had lost some weight and just didn't look good okay how's uh you working on this getting involved in this you know how's this uh affected you Julie um it's hard it's hard um you know, of course, as I've gone through investigating things and, and as I've told you, I was friends with both of them and, mm -hmm. you know, I've gone this amount of time of like, I don't know, could it have been this? Could it have been that? Always in my mind, what's happened, what's happened, what's happened, but not until I've started to kind of delve into it. You know, everybody's going to make their own uh scenario up in their head of what they think could have happened and you know it's tough it's tough for me it's tough for me being friends with both of them and and the things that I've kind of figured out and the scenes that play in my head of mm -hmm. what could have possibly happened it's hard being that you stated being with you've been public about that the this is uh you're divorced as well do you also think about your situation you know you you know you at some point i guess you and your husband at some point decided you were going to get divorced of course you didn't go missing she was kind of in the same situation she did go missing do you kind of you know think about it that way a little bit as well you, you, you see some of yourself maybe in bianca yeah um you know I've had a couple of not so great uh, relationships and, and, and thinking back, I'm like, you know, it's kind of like the whole, this would never happen to me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But then thinking back, I, I definitely think Bianca thought the same thing. Like, oh, I'm fine. You know, He'd never do anything to me. Well, we can't say that. But right. we're just but saying, you know, she's a I woman in a like, tough relationship. 
she yeah, goes and missing. I remember thinking that same thing though, like being in a not good relationship and people being like, well, you better be careful and da 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 da. da. And I'm like, like, I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen to me. Like, nothing's serious. He's just being stupid and crazy. Um, and that's why I say, I think, I think the girls that think that something's going to happen, they do something about it. You know, like they don't downplay it for their disappearance to be possible. And in that situation, with, you know, I, I could, it could have very well have been me. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, uh, I know that you said a Facebook page at one point got hacked. Let's talk about the Facebook page that did that, that is not hacked. Why don't you tell the listeners what it is right now and uh, so everybody can go check it out. So it's called Help Us Find Answers for Bianca Carrasco. Um, we're really trying to keep updates on there. Um, there's a couple of events um, coming up in San Antonio, one being in September that um, is the 11th annual honk for the missing. Hmm. Um, we're going to just today I was collaborating with another girl we went to nursing school with and we're going to get some justice for Bianca t-shirts on there. Um, partial profits will go to uh, any kind of funding that we need for, for helping with finding Bianca or, or getting answers. Um, so definitely stay tuned. We're trying to, you know, keep it updated, keep, you know, anything that we have going on on there. Um, it's been, I think a lot of people still look to the other page, but we don't have access to it to be able to say, Hey, this yeah. page doesn't work. Right. So yes. All right. So why don't you say the name just so everybody is clear what the, the working page is? What is it? It is help us find answers for Bianca Carrasco. All right. And what is, and, all right. And what is the one that is the one that is not working? The one that does not work is help us or help find Bianca Carrasco. All right. So that's a little simpler title. All right. So this one, just remember for everybody, if you find uh, one, uh, one for Bianca Carrasco, it's the Facebook page with the longer title. So yes. there you go. Okay. Any final words before we complete this interview, Julie? I just want to thank you so much for getting back to me so promptly and, and being open to do this with us. And I know that our schedule's kind of been complicated on our end, but we really do appreciate it and helping us get the word out there. And hopefully we can get some justice for Bianca. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, as I told Giovanna, you know, I've done a lot of interviews over the past seven years and she's the first person I ever interviewed who was out on the beach. Yeah. Must <laughs> that be was nice. The first we time the guest was out on the beach. Here. So, but it came out fine. So that that's great. And I, I appreciate you both being on this episode of unfound. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. And those were my interviews from June 30th, 2023, with Giovanna Bernie, sister of Bianca Carrasco, and Julie Stinson, friend of Bianca. I thank them for appearing on both audio and video for this episode. For any of you who watched or listened to the live show on July 3rd, 2023, you can now see why I thought Bianca's disappearance is very similar to Suzanne Morphew's, the married mother of two from Colorado whose husband was charged with her disappearance, but those charges were then dropped. 
In fact, Barry Morphew is now suing the prosecutor's office and others for defamation for like $15 million. The only big difference between the two is Barry claims he was a couple hours away when Suzanne went missing, whereas Daniel, Bianca's husband, admits being there when she allegedly walked off. The similarities, though, are striking. Both women had other men in their lives and were intent on being with them. Both husbands have children who are on their side. Both women wanted divorces at the times of their disappearances. Does this mean both women had the same thing happen to them? Not at all. The issue we have in these types of disappearances, the man said type, is that yes, a majority of the time, the man is responsible. He did something to cause the woman's disappearance. The issue, though, is in many of this type, the women exhibit behavior and words that could lead us to believe they disappeared all on their own. Why? What types of people are more likely to commit suicide than the general population? People having marriage problems. People fearing they may lose custody of their children. People fearing they may lose the respect of their children. When the children find out what one parent has been doing, for example, cheating. People who fear change, even if it means going to a theoretically better situation. People who feel they're being controlled. All very good suicide candidates. And into that category do Bianca and the mentioned for purposes of comparison Suzanne Morphew fall. Not saying I personally believe either woman killed herself or walked off to start a new life or anything else. But you come to Unfound to hear the facts. Well, these are the facts. One more piece of insight, though, before all of you get to contemplate Bianca's disappearance. My perception is that still, after this kind of disappearance has been happening for decades, well, forever, except we don't have the paperwork to prove it, but... Still, investigators too often take the man's word of what happened. Why? Well, I think I can say this because I'm a 52-year-old straight guy. What gender are most police officers? Male. What gender are most investigators? Male. What sexual preference are most people? Straight. So straight men are the ones most often tasked with solving this type, the man said, type of disappearance. Well, what do most straight guys experience if they've been dating enough? A bad relationship. Furthermore, due to the human ego, who are we least likely to blame when our relationships fall apart? Ourselves. In addition, given the bro code and sister code, who are we most likely to sympathize with? Others of our own gender. What I'm saying is, could we have an issue with too many police officers who are overwhelmingly straight men identifying with a man in this type of disappearance, thus buying into the story the man is telling, thus believing the man a little too much? And could this be 
why so many of this type of disappearance go unsolved. I leave that for you to figure out for yourselves. If you'd like to hear and read my more in-depth analysis of the disappearance of Bianca Carrasco and everything I write there is at least 3,000 words long, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast and start reading the Unfound blog and you will find blogs going the whole way back to 2017 there. Until then... I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.